what's up hybrids welcome back to another episode of the phantom hybrid podcast this is hanako and i am here with anthony and mike and we are discussing the brand new hawkeye series on disney plus first thoughts before we get into the thick of it i love this i'm totally in love with this i've seen so many things and I really am. This is going to be my favorite one. I know Anthony's probably not going to like it because I'm going to have at least two theories every show. <laughs> and I'm confirming everybody in MCU to come through in this one. I'm so freaking excited. It's like literally one character confirms two characters are coming to the MCU. And I'm just, I'm psyched. This is going to be awesome. And the show is actually pretty good. Haley Seinfeld is really good as Kate Bishop. I'm impressed. I think she's going to be really good. But the only thing I have about it is that it kind of seems like Jeremy's kind of calling, kind of phoning. Like, it it does seem like maybe it's because of how he's acting the scenes. It just doesn't seem like he's either doing a really good job of acting like he doesn't want to be there or he doesn't want to be there. To me, it seems kind of like he's kind of sleepwalking through some of the scenes. Other scenes, he's good. But there are other scenes I'm looking at him and I'm like, so you're all right. But I mean, that's just kind of how it came across to me. What about you, Ant? Um, it, it's okay. Like, I guess I have to give it a, at least a couple of more episodes. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many episodes it's going to be. Six? It's eight, a six episode six arc, yes. Six episodes. We're already a third of the way through. And mm-hmm. um, I'm struggling with being disinterested. Hmm. So, um, Haley is, is excellent. I mean, I really love her character. Jeremy Renner is Jeremy Renner. I mean, he's <laughs> he, he is who he is. He, he can't change that. And um, see, Clint was not ever one of my favorite characters anyway. Um, I don't know if I got myself overhyped by the fact that this show was coming and then it came and this is like, oh, it's okay. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I'm I'm not gonna have any theories or anything. This this right, I, got, like, I got I got plenty for both of us. <laughs> this is gonna buddy. be this year <laughs> run of the mill TV show. I don't know. It, I, I have a hard time thinking it's gonna have me feeling like WandaVision or Falcon and Winter Soldier or Loki. It just okay. it doesn't have that that grandness to it. That that movie like quality. It actually feels like a regular TV show. It should be like a sitcom that's only 30 minutes, but it's it's an hour. It's like, okay, can we move along here? Okay, that's interesting because you guys have like almost not necessarily polar opposite reactions, but you guys are like on one end of the spectrum or the other. For me, I'm actually enjoying it a lot for the most part. Um, Hawkeye has actually been one of my favorite characters just because one he's one of the few humans that we encounter throughout the avengers um and the infinity saga so that has always been interesting to me you know how he and natasha as humans without any kind of you know superpowers super soldiers serum anything like that how they can hold their own with these enhanced beings so that's always made him one of my favorite characters the second thing is i love his dry humor You know, it's like with uh, the Tony Starks or like even Thor or Loki, like those characters are purposefully trying to be funny. So they are funny. His type of humor is a little bit different 
because I think he's funny without trying to be funny. Like he's really just trying to be an old man. He's being an asshole sometimes, but it just comes across funny to me. And I like that kind of dry humor. And you see that throughout this first episode and even the second episode, which we may or may not get to um, during this particular show, but I'm enjoying his part for the most part. Thinking about what you said, Mike, about the way Jeremy Renner is coming across like he's kind of detached. I didn't take it as him as the actor. I took that as Hawkeye's character because he's dealing with a lot right now. Like we start out his part of the show with him going to see this Rogers the musical. And of course, that's talking about him and the Avengers and Natasha and... You know, we have to remember he's still reeling from the death of his best friend, probably more so than any of the Avengers dealing with any of the deaths that we've had to deal with because he was the closest to Natasha, closer than anybody else had been like Tony, you know, he was close to Pepper, of course, but from the regular Avengers team, he didn't really have like that close best friend person. Cap was probably the closest. And of course, they were estranged for the last few years. So he's dealing with the death of his best friend. Also, I think he's dealing with survivor's guilt because she sacrificed herself for him. He's trying to bond with his children again because they've been gone for five years. Like we have to remember for the people who were in the blip, they disappeared and they came back and everything was pretty much like no, no time had passed for them. But for everybody else, five years went on. So He's got to deal with five years of not having his kids, of being Ronan, which we'll get into later on. But he's just dealing with a lot. And I just think at this point, he's just like, I just want to spend time with my kids and go home. And then he has all of this stuff that just kind of sort of happens and it just happens to involve him. And now he's right back in the thick of things where he does not want to be. So I kind of felt like that was him as his character, like this is really not where I want to be right now. I don't want to be dealing with this shit. I just want to be at home with my kids. So that's how I took it. Yeah, I I could see that. But it's just, I'm kind of looking at it like it's only the first two episodes. And he really hasn't had to do that much. But it's like, you know, at least in the next episode, he's going to have to get involved a little more. So maybe that one will be a little better. But I just... I mean, that's just kind of, this is how I saw it. I mean, you you could be right, but it's just kind of how I saw it. Well, I will say piggybacking off of that comment too. He doesn't really have to do much because Kate Bishop is in here screwing everything up. And I will (laughs) say this. I love Haley Seinfeld. She's great as Kate Bishop. But when I say that character has got to be one of the most irritating characters I have ever seen in two episodes ever. Like I literally spent the whole two episodes like, why is she doing this? Why is she making this decision? Why is she, is she like, one, she doesn't read the room. Like he's clearly telling her, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. Don't call me. Don't do this. And she's just going on like, oh no, but it's great. Your problem is marketing and I'm going to call you. And hey, do you miss me? Bitch, didn't he say don't call him? <laughs> it was just, yeah, her character is, very annoying to me right now so yeah I and I know it's probably going to get better but I spent most of the second episode like where's my baby Yelena so she can come and whoop this girl's ass that's really how I felt (laughs) the whole second episode like yeah that's gonna be me not having the comic background of her character I'm just like why is everybody excited for her to be here (laughs) 
I'm just because I'm very clueless right now because she's very annoying. Because she ushers in everything, basically. It's like she's ushering in Young Avengers, which means that all the all the Young Avengers that we've seen up until this point are coming in. That's confirmed. Um, every other character that's in these first two episodes confirms like so many things. It's like I wanna I'm gonna I'm gonna wait until to see if we cover most of the second episode because that's when I'm really gonna get into my to every theory that I have. Okay. But, but see the problem with that is you're basically saying this show is a setup or seems to be a setup for so many other things. Like it doesn't have a life of its own. Well, I think it if if you really think about it since this we know most of the characters that mike is speaking of are probably going to come in this next phase of the mcu and i really think the black widow movie and even this show i think that's kind of what they were meant to do is kind of like transition out of these older characters or you know the avengers especially the original six and transition into the new character so i don't think that's unreasonable to say i think that's exactly what this show is supposed to be but um I think but I, also- I, want, I would like for it to be a little more than that though like i, I want it to be i don't have a, as big an issue with k bishop as you do apparently because oh i actually kind of she, she is annoying but I, I, it's like an adorable annoyance you know like why are you calling him maybe you call him back to back like really <laughs> But I mean, I don't know. And then I like Vera Farminga as her mother, but I, I don't like the the. I'm sorry, I about to say his comic book name, Jack Duquesne. Nobody likes him. His, and I don't. I don't know if it's the actor or the way they have him written. And no, the no, 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 no. He, he's supposed to be like that. He's uh, supposed he's just, to be an uppity kind of like oblivious French douchebag. Yes, he's he's doing he's doing an outstanding job acting because of who he is in the Marvel comics. In Marvel comics, he's the swordsman. I'm no, and there's and, one scene where you actually see a little bit of what he actually is, mm-hmm. but all the other times you're like, oh my god, you <laughs> just go away somewhere, yes. like do something he's else. A douchebag. <laughs> to be sure he's a douchebag I, I yeah. felt that with his character too but kind of like like you said there was one scene in particular where I felt like oh this is the real person like this is the real him and everything else that we saw before and maybe a little bit even after that scene and I'm speaking in particular of the fencing scene but before that I almost <sighs> he felt like a caricature to me I was going to say it was like a caricature. Yes, he felt in, very in much a bad that way. way. Um, <laughs> and it did seem... He's a caricature in the same way that George St. Pierre, like playing Batroc. Batroc is the same thing. Yeah, but Batroc, he, he was much cooler. He was much But he's better. like Batroc in What If, like the one in the last What If, where he's like, I am so fast. I am so fast. Yes, and yes. Ball. And yes he, you're very right. He is. Yes, he's just like that. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of cringy. Like, is that how you guys see French people? Like, really? Like, uh, it's very cringy. Like, yeah. It's very cringy because even when he came on the scene, like when his character was first introduced and Kate got to meet him and, you know, he the way that he came in, I mean, just everything about him, the way he spoke, the way he moved, it just seemed like overly fake, overly like overacting almost 
you know, like, oh, yeah, I have to, I, I have to put on this, I have to put mm-hmm. on this face for Kate, my fiance's daughter, and even seeing him t- speak with his uncle Armand the Third, it was just he seemed almost like one of those bad actors playing a part. Like it, it just seemed so weird and so fake. And I was like, oh, is this actor like really this horrible? Like how in the hell did he get in this show? And then when you see him in that fencing scene afterwards, when he actually disarmed Kate and he was like, yeah, I was kind of underplaying my talent. I was like, oh, this is who he's supposed to be. He seemed more genuine at that point and not so much a caricature. Like I said, it was just his character is so weird. But I guess even Kate's mother, and I know there's supposed to be something shady about her, but I I don't know. It's something about those two together. I kind of want to say everything is shady about her mom. Okay. Everything. And it kind of comes that way. You know? Yeah, I know we're going to talk about that first scene. I'm sure the reason why it took her so long to get out is she probably was busy murdering her Okay, so let's let's go back and let's <laughs> start from him. the beginning. So <laughs> the show actually begins in 2012, and it's the fight with the Chitauri. When the Chitauri are in New York, we see a young Kate eavesdropping on her parents who are arguing. Apparently there's something going on where they're having money issues. Her mom is saying, we have to sell the penthouse. We've got to do this. We're, we're having issues. And the dad is like, no, we don't have to sell. We'll figure it out. I've got a solution. And basically what happens is her dad comes in to speak to her, you know, to kind of tell her what the argument is about. And, you know, he does as a good father. I mean, it's obvious from this short clip where we see him, he's a good father to her. He loves her, you know, cares about her. And, you know, he sits there and he tries to comfort her and tells her, okay, look, things aren't as bad. We'll figure this out, blah, blah, blah. And then he tells her, okay, go have lunch with your mom. I'm going to go work down in my office. So she's having lunch with her mom. And then she goes to her room to do something mom is somewhere in the penthouse dad is supposedly in his office and then while kate is in her room you start hearing the explosions or whatever so she starts going around mom where are you what's going on and she sees the chitari flying around she sees you know all this stuff going on and buildings are getting knocked over and her their penthouse actually gets a hole blown into it and while she's sitting there trying to figure out what's going on trying to figure out where her parents are she looks out the window and she sees the scene that we've all seen where Hawkeye is on top of the building and he's shooting down some of the Chitauri soldiers. And then he takes that leap off the building, turns around, shoots an arrow into the air. Kate is watching this from her penthouse, which is across the street. Well, not really across the street, but it's in direct line of sight a of couple of blocks, A couple of New York blocks. Yeah, away. but it's, it's, she's got a direct sight line to line Avengers Tower yeah into all of this action so at this point we see the way she's looking at hawkeye she's like oh my god he's so cool he's fighting these people blah 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 so during this whole scene i'm like your building is shaking there's a hole in the penthouse and your daughter is very clearly calling for you where the fuck are her parents that was my first thought and then of course you see the mom come and grab her and you know they kind of get away and she asks where dad is and the next thing you know we see dad's funeral okay so apparently he must have died during the attack something may have crushed him they never actually explained that in this episode 
but you know yeah, now, he died during the attack all right yeah but now that you say that anthony that does kind of make sense i guess in a way we don't really know what the dynamic was between her parents except for that brief argument that we saw with them that was enough <laughs> that's plenty right especially so, when your child is running around yelling out your name all that shit's happening she was like, she's going to make sure she finished killing this motherfucker before she does what she's right. That's it, 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 it took her extraordinarily long to come back to check on her child. Well, the other thing, too, is, okay, so Kate, in this instance, she's still, she's like early preteen, so she might be 11, 12, maybe, maybe as young as 10, but I don't think she's any younger than that. But she's running through the house. Dad, daddy, where are you? Looking for him. She only goes down one floor. He told you he was going to work in his office. Why didn't you run to his office? And Mia was watching. My my other daughter, Mia, she's here and she was watching. She said, well, she's a child. She's panicking. Maybe she didn't think about it. But I'm like, if I know where my dad is and something like aliens are crashing into my house, I'm going to go run to where my dad is, not just be running through the house. Dad, daddy, where are you? I know where you are. You're in your office. You told me you were going to your office. (laughs) But anyway, this is the catalyst for her becoming an archer. You know, like I said, she sees Hawkeye. And then at her dad's funeral, she and her mom are talking and she says something about, I need to protect us. And her mom is like, no, that's what I'm supposed to do. And then she just says, I need a bow and arrow. And then the opening sequence, we see images of Kate growing up. And as she's growing up, she's taking gymnastics and she's excelling in it. She's learning archery. She's learning fencing. She's learning gymnastics. So she's doing all of these different things and becoming really great at it. And this is, I guess, the background into what her character is supposed to be. Yeah. Um, shout out to them for how they kind of seamlessly integrated their real life fighting and then her getting the checkers set with the whole Tatari invasion. Like, I mean, it's like you see them, like it's just like a normal scene. Then next thing you know, you see the one shadow go across the window very quickly. And she's like, huh? And then she goes back and looks out the window and you see everybody fighting. And that's like the way they kind of just wove it in and just made it seem like it was actually happening when... This probably movie magic where they already had the blown out part of the office already blown out. But it's like the way they one shot that, it makes it look like she literally did it. And she walked into a room that was actually whole. And now it has a hole blown out of it. And it's like the way they shot that was really good. I was very, I was very impressed. Yeah. I loved seeing that throwback scene back to that first fight where, you know, all of the Avengers kind of that that was the movie where they actually like fought as avengers became as you know became avengers and i love seeing those flashbacks like we saw flashbacks of that in loki as well going back to that very same movie so yeah that was fun getting to see kind of where she got her inspiration from you know and again one thing that we see and that said uh throughout this first episode is like hawkeye is always treated as the least avenger You know, he's not the one with superpowers. He's not the one with the super strength. So people always kind of overlook him. But if you think about some of the stuff Hawkeye does with the Avengers, he's pretty fucking important, you know? I mean, first of all, as good as Natasha is, he's the one who caught her and turned her. Right. Mm -hmm. So he's easily underestimated. Mm -hmm. 
Very much so. Yeah, he really is. I mean, he's the one that Captain America picked to call out patterns and tell everybody where to go and stuff. I mean, it's like he knows what he's doing. He's very good at strategizing and putting people where they're supposed to be. And, you know, I mean, so what if he doesn't have powers? I mean, he's just his superpower is organization. It's the same as Nick Fury's. Yeah. And then as Ronan, he like was single-handedly dismantling criminal networks around the world. Right. Right. And the other thing too is Hawkeye is the one who sees what other people don't see. And I think that's a very valuable skill for someone who fights with superpowered beings and aliens and all this other stuff. But yeah, he, you know, it's one of those things where he's consistently mentioned i mean even just listening to people in the fandom talk or you know just in general discussing geek stuff hawkeye is one of those names that's always he he's one of the characters that's always very disrespected very i think you know underestimated and again that's another reason why he actually is one of my favorites because people treat him like the underdog but he's actually like i said a very important member of the team like half the shit that they did they would not be able to do without him you know so yeah that's okay he'll get his due he'll get his due. he's got his own series it's like hope, hope doesn't even have his own series so it's like you know he's doing good for himself yeah kudos and stuff <laughs> And the so, show is called Hawkeye. Yeah, you know, this is true. So. This is true. exactly. I mean, there are things that I like, but yeah, continue, continue. Yeah. Oh, and the the superhero montage. I love during the montage, like that part where she was kind of nonchalant. Then she gets beaten, and then she comes back and actually, like, maybe they're going to go back to it where that's kind of a turning point where she takes something and thinks, you know, this is easy, I can do it. But she gets beaten. Then she like works harder and focuses. Then she overcomes it. I'm thinking that's probably going to be something that comes into play later as well. I just kept thinking, oh, this is, she's like a funny Bruce Wayne. Like, you're Bruce Wayne without all the depression. You know, he went around the world and <laughs> trained and did a whole bunch of stuff too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, after we get the opening montage, we get to visit Kate Bishop as an older person. And she's college-aged here. And looks like she's pulling off a prank on campus with a few of her friends like I guess someone made a bet with her you know of course she's supposed to be like this great archer she's won medals we see that in the opening montage but she does this thing where she's supposed to shoot an arrow and she hits the bell um, that's in the bell tower on campus and the first time she does it she misses and then she does something to her bow I can't tell what it is. Can you guys tell what it is? It's like she weighted it down or something a little bit. Well, she put a grappler on the end of the arrow. Oh, was that what it was? Yeah, it was like... Instead of aiming for the bell, because they remember they were discussing whether the bell moved or the ringer moved. Yes. So when she hit the bell with the first one, it didn't move at all. Mm -hmm. So she was like, okay, so she aimed, she changed her aim. She put a little grappler on the end of the arrow. And when she shot it, it grabbed the rope that's on the on the ringer and moved it back and forth okay okay i couldn't tell what it was that she attached to it but anyway so she hits the bell she's talking to her friends who are down on the ground level about it and you know the question comes up about whether or not she would actually crack the bell by doing this and not only does she crack the bell she actually destroys the bell tower because the bell breaks free and crashes 
So yeah, Kate Bishop seems like a troublemaker from jump, which explains the way she is throughout the rest of this episode. Cause when I say, like I said, she got on my nerves. Oh, she got on my nerves, but yeah. So, um, I don't know that first scene. I just kind of looked at her like, Oh, entitled bratty rich kid on campus, just destroying shit because you're bored. She's going to win that bet. That's for sure. I mean, it's like she is. It's like, you know, shout out to her two black friends who were like, oh, we out of here. As soon as they saw she got him up, they're like, gone. Right. <laughs> Just did it. What kind of friends are you? But anyway. <laughs> they, out. they were gone. They're like, you rich enough. I'm out. So, of course, like I said, she gets caught by campus security. And then we get to what is probably the funniest and also most cringe worthy part of the whole i can do this all rogers the musical awesome it was awesome oh well miranda could never man let me tell you and the funny thing is everybody was so excited about this when we saw it in the promos we were like oh this is gonna be something cool i didn't think they were actually gonna show us like a part of the musical not in the first episode and I'm telling you, I watched this thing like this with my hands over my <laughs> face. And cr- it was awesome. so Hulk smash, Hulk smash, Hulk smash. All I could think was someone actually had to write this. Shout out to Mark That's Shaman. all I kept thinking. <laughs> Mark Shaman. Not only did someone Mark Shaman write and Scott it, Whitman wrote this masterpiece. They, they also had to choreograph it. They had to do stage setup. They had to block everything. I'm like, oh my God. Wow. They had to do the costumes. Yeah. <laughs> they had, oh my goodness. All of it. I had to find they voices, to all that stuff. I was like, this is absolutely fucking ridiculous. But, you know. And they, they actually had some dude, like one of the dudes was like a heavy hitter on Broadway. I think who did Steve's voice. But yeah, I mean, they got some like really dope people to be in this farcical musical. <gasps> It was, it was outstanding. So cringeworthy. Oh my goodness. And I can't even imagine. The fact that Clint had to sit there through this and watch it is like, one, you're watching this musical about people that you know. Okay. People that you cared about, people that you loved. And then it's like they're making this very cheery musical dance choreography to events that were traumatic for you not just for you for a lot of people you know the avengers weren't the only people who suffered losses there were people who we know there were people who died in this chitari attack and it's just it was just one of those things like what why why I mean, look at it this way. If they would have just had a marquee that said Rogers the Musical and they didn't do a Rogers the Musical, you would have been like, they could have done like 30 seconds of one. Instead, they gave you three to four glorious minutes. They gave us too much. No, <laughs> it was okay. And here's the funny thing. So supposedly the entire song has been released on streaming platforms. I have not gone to listen to it yet. I'm trying to work up the nerve. Hold on a second. Oh my God, Mike! Are you about to play it? No, I don't. No, <laughs> she. Hanako got up and walked off the screen. <laughs> I no, I just this. had to go close oh. my door because. 
save the city. I mean, I appreciate I appreciate the effort that was put into it. I understand the significance of the scene. However, I don't have to like it. (laughs) I I mean, it was. I think it was meant to be cringeworthy. Just it was just for for Clint's sake, (laughs) because he was struggling. Right. Not only that, as we see they actually wrote Clint's hearing aids into the story this time. And I know that was a huge complaint about a lot of people about his character because apparently Clint is deaf in the comics and he never was that way in the films, but they actually wrote it in now. And as he sees Natasha's character on the stage, you know, he kind of starts zoning out and his daughter, Lila, is sitting there. She's like, dad, dad. And she's waving her hand in his face. And he turns, he's like, oh, Yes, honey. She was like, did you turn your hearing aid off? (laughs) He turns it back on like, no, you know, I already know what happens with all of this. I'm just, you know, I I, I was there. I'm just, you know, he says, you know, who wasn't there? You know know who wasn't there? Ant-Man wasn't there. How did Ant-Man get into this musical? Like, for real, like, how? I could tell you Ant-Man wasn't there. (laughs) That was awesome. Um, Also, I love how in the, just in the first two episodes, how they handled his hearing loss is awesome. Because in the second episode, when Kate asks, why do you have a hearing aid? And they show him getting battered, like here, there, and hither and yon. He was like... All the explosions. Eh. Yeah. yeah, he was. He said, eh, there's a few things. And it's like, it, it kind of lends... It, it shows you that, you know, how brave and how much of a badass he was. Because he's out there, like, literally without anything to protect 40-50% of his body. Like... Iron Man, like Iron Man, Iron Man's regular, but he had a whole suit of freaking armor. Thor right. is a demigod. Steve had the serum. Hulk was Hulk. And it's like really him and Black Widow were the only ones who were out there, kind of out there. Mm-hmm. And it's like just shows like how much testicular fortitude it takes to do something like that. So of course, at this point, he's like, you know what? I'll be right back. He leaves his kids. He's there with his kids watching the musical. And you know, he leaves them in the seats. Goes to the bathroom. Okay, this bathroom scene was the second most cringeworthy thing in this episode because, first of all, he's standing at a urinal. Okay, on the urinal, someone has written Thanos was right. And I was like, that's got to hurt for one when you think about who's reading this now and what he lost during this whole battle. But two, this is kind of sort of it's a little bit of a reference to something that was stated in the Eternals. And I know we haven't talked about the Eternals yet, but you know, one of the, the premise of the Eternals is that things are kind of going haywire because Thanos wiped out half the population and then unexpectedly everybody was brought back. And as we saw in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, that did create some chaos because earth was not prepared for the return of all those people so you're straining the resources and things started getting out of whack we had the flag smashes and all that stuff that happened in falcon and the winter soldier so it's kind of like when you think about all those things and it's really weird because the more i sit here and i think about everything that's happened especially as we've gotten to you know black widow we've watched the eternals and shang chi and it's kind of like it really kind of sort of makes you question like Thanos may have been right but he just went about it the wrong way I think we talked about this with what if as well especially with what if. like he had the right concept but 
execution like we don't really yeah. want to kill like half the population of everything but anyway so he sees this on the urinal and then then this guy comes in and stands at the urinal next to him now I don't use a urinal. We don't, our, the women's restrooms are very different from the way guys are set up. But my thought is, and correct me if I'm wrong, since you are two gentlemen, if you have a whole row of urinals, like there's 10 urinals and nobody else is at them. If somebody is standing at a urinal, that is the, there's gotta be a one man rule. (laughs) That's got, that's gotta be a buffer. Yes. There needs to be I mean, at minimum a one to two urinal buffer. If no one's there, if there are five urinals and there's no one there, do not get up next to me. Right. Nah, go all the way I mean, over there. Take your ass to the last urinals. one. This is something that bothers me also like in movie theaters or places like that. Like in the movie theater, you have at least 300 seats. I have gone to movie theaters before where it's only been a handful of people in the theater. I'm one of those people I get, if if I have the theater to myself where it's not really too many people there, I get smack dab in the middle of the theater, very middle row, middle of the screen, middle of the theater, period. Why would you come and sit right behind me or right next to me when you have 299 other seats to choose from? I mean, even if you want to be in the middle, okay, I've already got like smack dab in the middle. You can sit a few rows behind me or a few rows in front of me. Why do you have to come sit right next to me? So this part in this episode was especially cringeworthy because this guy comes in, stands at the urinal next to him. And then not only that, to make it even more cringeworthy, this dude has the nerve to ask for a selfie. He asked for a selfie. Of all things, like, damn. Like, can you not potentially get a picture of my dick? Like, can you, can, can you not, not even that. <laughs> but can you wait until his schlong is out of his hands before you even <laughs> think about asking him for a picture? And then Clint goes to wash his hands. He looks up and the dude is standing in the mirror right behind him. Now, I'm sorry. Me being someone who is accustomed to people sneaking up on me, people trying to kill me, people who have snuck up on me and, you know, done things to control my mind. If I would have looked up in that mirror and that dude was standing behind me, he would have gotten hit. Because at this point, I don't know if you're actually just trying to get a picture or if you're here for some other reason. You know, just because they've defeated Thanos, that doesn't mean any danger is over. He could have been someone out for Clint. You know what I'm saying? I was just like, oh, this is just, it's so wrong. And oh, it was, maybe that's why Clint is acting the way he's acting too. He's like, I can't even take a piss. Like, You know, it's, it's just one of those things where I feel like Clint, even though he was known as an Avenger, I think Clint was one of those people, again, people undermined him, people underestimated him. I don't think people really paid him attention and he probably liked it that way. And now it's like, he's just trying to have a regular night on the town with his kids and people are starting to recognize him. And I think it's just to the point where he was like, this is not what I wanted at all. I just want to be a regular guy hanging out with my kids. You know, after the show, 
They went to a restaurant. They're, you know, talking about Christmas coming up in a few days and what they're going to do and all the activities that they're going to do. Again, this is a man trying to bond with his kids. He hasn't been with his kids for five years. So he's trying to make up for lost time. They're at the restaurant and the waiter comes over and basically says, oh, your meal is comped. We're taking care of your meal, you know? And he's like, no, you don't have to do that. And the guy's like, you saved us. Thank you. Thank you. And I think it's, again, I I really feel like for his character, it's weird to him for people to acknowledge him and for people to recognize him and give him these accolades that I don't think he really cares for, you know? It's kind of like, okay, yeah, I saved everyone, but I just, I don't want a big deal made of it. You know, that's, that's kind of how I get his character. Yeah, for, for him, he was, he was just doing his job. Right. He was just doing what he was supposed to do. Right. So I, I think it's just, it's just weird for him altogether going through all of this. And I think that's part of what we see his character dealing with. Like, okay, yeah, you guys are thanking me and you're giving me free stuff or whatever, but what did all of this cost me? You know what I'm saying? Side note, I just have a side note, mm-hmm. just, just briefly. It's interesting that his character is like this because in the comic book, when Captain America died and Tony offered him the shield to become Captain America, he basically was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to, one, I don't deserve it. And two, I'm never going to be able to live up to that. And that's very in keeping with his character mm-hmm. to be this way. Like, I'm just a regular dude mm-hmm. who can do some extra things and, and that's it. You know? Again, another reason why I actually do like his character, you know, because he's not one of those people that's boastful or doing things for, and I don't want to say people, you know, I don't want to say any of the other Avengers had ulterior motives, but we know for Tony, a lot of what he was doing as far as <laughs> ego. Well, I th- part of it is ego, but I think also a lot of it was guilty conscience as well. Right. You know, it was one of those things where, oh, I have to atone. I have to atone. And in a lot of ways, the ego thing, I feel like he was trying to make up for some of the things that he felt like he was responsible for. But in that sense, I feel like he made it about him and not about the mission, not about what it was supposed to be. You know, but with Hawkeye, he he's just very different in that sense. Which goes to the purpose of these first two episodes. Mm-hmm. Most of it is getting back the uniforms. Like I'm sitting there thinking, why bother? You know, why just let it be? Is this something that happened? But no, he feels responsible for anyone who gets hurt because of that. Right, right. Like he said, when he approaches Kate Bishop. And this is, I think, in the next episode, he says the guy who wore that suit made a lot of enemies and they're going to come after you, which we we did see that happen in this episode. You know, she has on the suit and that's a whole other thing because we'll talk about her in this suit. But, you know, these people start coming after her and I, I just, whew. I can't. I told you her character really got on my nerves in these first two episodes. But anyway. I mean, at least, at least she's trying to do good. I mean, this just shows the kind of ineptitude that Tracksuit Mafia kind of has going. It's like, how do you know it's not a little girl? Like, you you don't think it's like, except they figured they did figure it out, like, when they found out where she lived. But Mm-mm, they still I mean, thought that she was a he. 
because he he kept saying when they captured him in the the next episode he kept saying uh kate bishop i'm not her and he was like it's a he no it's a her no it's he they kept arguing so we'll get into that later but um oh kate bishop i'm telling you she gets some under anyway <laughs> anyway we'll come to that um I love that they focus a little bit at the beginning on Clint's relationship with his kids, because a lot of times when you see parent-child relationships, especially in TV, when it comes to like superheroes, I mean, think about, we cover a lot of superhero stuff and there's always some kind of dysfunctional relationship between parents and children for whatever reason, resentment over what they do, um, you know, you don't spend enough time with us. And it's like, even with Clint's children, when we're first introduced to them in the MCU, you know, he comes home, brings the Avengers with him because it's a safe house. Nobody knows that his wife and children exist at this point. And when the kids meet them, you know, the other Avengers, or when they come and they greet him, they greet him like regular kids do. Daddy, daddy, hey! You know, they're really excited. They're happy to see their Aunt Nat. And even when we see them at the beginning of, I think it was the beginning of Endgame where he's teaching Lila how to shoot with Mm -hmm. the bow and arrow, they're having a regular family picnic out in the yard and he's spending time with his kids. And even now in this show, he's spending time with his kids. Again, they've been gone for five years. He's trying to make up for lost time. But when you see him interact with the kids, they're always happy. You know, Lila is very understanding. She, you know, she is the person, she's the middle child, but she seems to be like the mother of the group. Like she's the one that's more mature. She's the one that's more in tune with her father. She's like, look, you don't have to watch the rest of the show. You know, everybody misses her, but she was your best friend. It's cool. It's one of the very few healthy relationships between children and superhero parents that we actually get to witness, even when he has to leave to go take care of this thing with the rogue suit and Kate Bishop, the kids are not upset about it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you really see that he has a good relationship with his kids and he's just trying not to mess that up. And I just love that we get to see that in the show because again, we, you know, we, we deal with a lot of superhero shows on this podcast and we get like the Mark and Omni-Mans and, you know, the Homelander and, you know what I'm saying? So we don't get to see this kind of thing very often. So I appreciate this much. I mean, even with Kate Bishop and her mom, there's tension there. Even from the moment when they're on screen together, it's like, yeah, you can see that her mom loves her, but it's one of those things where, okay, you're the spoiled entitled rich kid. And now I have to pay for this damaged clock tower that you just did. And hey, I have something to tell you. Why don't you go put that dress on and we can have this conversation. And I mean, it, it's just, there's a weird dynamic going on with Kate and her mom. It's very weird. Also with Clint and his kids, it's kind of healthy to see like how a family functions when one of them is an Avenger or a superhero. Like, you know, it's like, they kind of know the drill mm-hmm. and like, like his wife is just like, oh, what are you going to do now? Oh, oh, those guys, when he said that he had to go mess with the tracksuit mafia, she was like, oh, those, yeah, it was really refreshing to see instead of like the hero having to hide his identity from people or not to say certain things around his kids. Like he was basically like, 
yeah, I got something to do. I'll be back. They're like, okay, dad, we'll see you when you get home. It's like, you're going to, you're coming home where you got to promise you're going to be home this time. Like they actually know that he might be late or he might not come home, but it's like, they're actually dealing with it instead of not being told that their father's a superhero. They actually know the deal and they like kind of gotten with that. So that was actually pretty refreshing too. Yeah. Like Lila saying, you know, she's, um, and again, this is in the next episode. So I guess we are combining episodes, but, um, (laughs) you know, when he's putting them in the car to send them home for Christmas and he tells them, you know, Hey, I'll be home in a few days. And she's like, is everything okay? He was like, yeah, yeah, fine. She's like, dad, you have a cut on your head. Are you avenging again? Like, is, is it serious? Are you going to be okay? He was like, I just got something to take care of. I'll be fine. I'll be home. I mean, he didn't lie to her, but of course he didn't tell her any details, but I like the fact that the kids are old enough and they're mature enough to know, okay, so dad's got something he's got to deal with. It's none of our business. They didn't throw tantrums. They didn't be like, oh, well, you're not coming home for Christmas. And I mean, even when he calls Linda, Laura in the second episode, and he's telling her, hey, I'm going to miss my flight. It's going to take a little bit longer. And, you know, she's talking to him and she's like, okay, are you, are you going to be okay? He was like, yeah, tracksuit mafia. She was like, oh, those guys. One of the things that I love about it is that it shows a healthy relationship because when he mentions the tracksuit mafia coming after him and stuff, she was like, oh, those guys. You immediately know. He didn't hide from her anything that he did while she was blipped because tracksuit mafia, they're coming after Ronan. He didn't even take on that Ronan persona until everybody had been snapped out of existence by Thanos. So if she knows about the tracksuit mafia, that means that he told her everything that he did as Ronan while she was gone. And whatever issues they may have had or there may have been, they talked through it and worked through it. And he can actually talk to her about what he's doing without trying to lie, without hiding anything. It's an open conversation. And she's like, oh, okay, so what are you going to do? He was like, yeah, the old bait and switch. She was like, ah, Nat's old move. And that's the other thing too, because I know what people have said about, okay, well, supposedly they were romantically connected in this moment or they should have been, or it was kind of implied. But the fact that he has a female best friend or he had a female best friend and she was part of the family and you don't see Laura ever getting upset with how much time he has to spend with her or whatever, whatever. I like seeing this because we don't see enough of that in any kind of media. We don't see enough of that in real life. You know, there's always some drama attached to it, some uh, sneakiness or some suspicion or whatever. We don't ever see this healthy stuff. So the fact that we're getting so much of it in this show, I love it. And I was really worried at first when they started pr- uh, promoting this show that we weren't going to get Laura because she wasn't in most of the promos. And then when I finally saw her in like one of the last few promos, I was like, okay. And then I started wondering, okay, well, why is he in New York with his kids and not her? Like, what is this? Are they going to try to say that there's some issues with them or whatever? I'm glad to see that they didn't take that route. You know, she basically was like, hey, you needed some time to spend with the kids. Go do this. Have some fun with them. I'll stay home and decorate for Christmas and be ready for you guys when you come back. I just, that's one of the things I actually do love about this show is just you see a lot of healthy relationships as opposed to always seeing something dysfunctional. So I know yeah. that was a long-winded response, but I'm so glad to see Laura in this show. 
I'm glad for Clint's kids. And I just, I just love that whole dynamic with that family, even from the Avengers movies, when he came home with the Avengers and the talking and everything, you know, she's one of those wives. She, she told him, she said, you know, I support your avenging, but what you need to make sure is that this is a team that will have your back. And then, you know, he actually made the comment, you don't think they need me. And she was like, oh no, I know they need you, you know? Just, I love Laura. I do. <laughs> I really do love her. Yeah, so. I, I, I can appreciate the, like, you know, the continuity that they have. And just like you, when I saw it at first, until they showed them talking on the phone together, I was like, oh, they didn't break them up, did they? I was like, that's fucking shit. But when I kind of figured out that they didn't, I was like, I was just like, you know, I was like, yeah, that's okay, good. Because it's like, yeah, you pretty much covered it. It's like, there aren't that many healthy relationships in the comic world. So it was good to see that. Yeah. Them joking at the dinner table in the restaurant. When he's talking to Laura, he's like, yeah, it would have been easier if you had come along. I'd be less likely to strangle these kids that they're like, oh, whatever. And they all throw their napkins at him. I like seeing stuff like that. I know some people are like, oh, that's fluff or it's filler. But I really think that we need to see that kind of stuff because it kind of shows us a little bit more about who this character is when he's not an Avenger. You know, we didn't get to see a lot of that in the Avengers movies because we were so busy focused on him being Hawkeye. And I like that they kind of started out the show showing us who Clint is. And I think that's probably going to be important later on in the show, especially as other characters are introduced. Like we already know Yelena is going to be a part of the show and she's going to be coming after Clint because Valentina has basically told her, hey, you want to go after the person who's quote unquote responsible for your sister's death. So we already know that that's probably going to have some impact on whatever that dynamic is, you know. I can't believe and shout out to IMDb for letting that slip and putting it on there when she hasn't even shown up yet. I'm like, usually they're better about foiling certain people being in shows when they when they haven't appeared yet. But it's well, like- they already announced I think it. that was, that was yeah, a they given. they had announced it though, that she was going to be in Hawkeye. Yeah, I don't think that was supposed to be a secret because if that was going to be a secret, why even put that in credit scene in Black Widow anyway? Because you see her at Natasha's grave and then Valentina comes in and she's like, I have a new mission for you. How would you like to go after the person responsible for your sister's death? And she shows her Clint. We already know she's going to be in the show. That's a given. So yeah, I don't think that was supposed to be a secret. Mm. Now, if anybody else shows up that has not been confirmed and they show it on IMDb, that would be surprising. But don't say it because I have not looked at IMDb. So I don't want to know. No, it's not even about IMDb. I I can't wait. Oh, God. Okay, so we are talking about both episodes, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, <clears throat> I have a theory. Okay, he couldn't wait. He so, couldn't hold it any longer. I cannot. I could, I could not wait. I'm sorry. Okay, so in the final scene where they're tied up and they go and get the boss because they're supposedly they kept talking to Kazi, who was one of the tracksuit mafia. And um, FYI, he usually has cloud makeup on, I believe, when in the comic books. But I digress. But they go and talk to the boss, who is Echo. Now, Echo is deaf, and she's in there. She has her hand feeling the vibrations coming from the speakers and stuff. And she turns around, and she, like, shoes them off. And Echo is tied in the comic books to Kingpin. Kingpin confirmed! 
Okay, so can, I was going to ask confirm. I didn't know who that character was at the end. So I was going to ask about that. But is this the same Echo that they just announced they're doing a show about? Yes. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I'm 100% expecting to see Vincent D'Onofrio in one of these episodes. You know what? Well, even if he just walks by the door. You know what? Um, I heard 100%. that rumor a couple of weeks ago that he might show up in Hawkeye. And I was like, how? Yeah. Like it was just one of those that was so weird to me, but a- uh-huh. he might he might be the only one of the few people they actually bring over from the Netflix Marvel stuff. I mean, Echo has ties to Daredevil too, so I mean they could they could tie her in with Daredevil too. So, and I have heard about them bringing uh, Matt Murdock over, but I don't remember what well, Matt's, Matt's I heard probably he was he's supposed to be Spider Man. He's hundred percent gonna be in Spider Man, but probably just as Matt Murdock and not as Daredevil. Okay. So let's talk about Kate Bishop. This girl, first of all, okay. So we're introduced to her character. She's a college student. She is a typical college student. um, As far as, you know, the rich and elite go, you know, according to the stereotypes that we see on TV, of course, you know, she's one of these, like, uh, she's, she's um, entitled, she's privileged, you know, she does things like destroy school property on a dare or because she's bored. And then she comes home. Of course, like I said, she and her mother, they have this conversation about the clock tower that they have to replace. And of course, she does the thing where she's like, yeah, I, what did she say? I canceled all of your credit cards to teach you a lesson. Oh, OK. But her mom and Jack they're leaving for this charity event and you know they want her to come along so she she kind of shows up a little bit late she's not dressed in whatever it was that her mom wanted her to wear she's actually dressed like one of the servants at this charity ball so while she's there she has this conversation with this guy named Armand Duquesne who we find out later is Jack's uncle and he kind of lets it slip about Jack and Kate's mother being engaged. And obviously he's not pleased about the engagement. Later on, there's a conversation between Kate's mother and Armand that Kate overhears. And it sounds like Armand is threatening her mother. So when her mother comes out, she's like, what's going on? Did that guy threaten you? And she was like, oh, don't worry about him. I don't know what's going on. Just, you know, we're about to eat dinner. Come on and join us. She's like, okay, I'll join you in a minute. And what she does instead is she tells Armand, follows him into the basement or into this other room where they're having this black market auction. And she's sneaking around doing all this stuff. And I was like, okay, first of all, girl, you are not a superhero why are you following this man? And it's just things with her get worse and worse as the episode goes and as it moves into the next episode. So one of the things that happens during this black market auction is Armand and Jack get into a bidding war over Ronan's sword because Jack apparently has this thing for swords, which Mike, I think, kind of ties into what you've already said he becomes the sword ma- uh, sword master is that swordsman. Name? swordsman he becomes the swordsman so that probably that ties into who his character is supposed to be but they go into this bidding war over ronan's sword which one i was like wait how did they get his sword and i forgot about you know avengers tower collapsing and i'm sure it was probably looted and all this other stuff 
So I believe Armand is the one who wins the sword. And then they bring out Ronan's suit. So bidding is about to start on this suit. And while they are talking about these items, they are talking about who the Ronan was, that he was this figure that brought terror to the underworld community. You know, he basically took revenge on organized crime or, you know, this, that, and the other. So my daughter's thing while we were watching it is the black market, they get attacked. Someone kind of barges in, they start attacking people. They're looking for like this specific thing. I think it was a watch that they were looking for that was from Avengers Tower. I don't know why they were looking for it, but they come in and they start shooting and whatever. And in order to hide, she grabs the suit that was being auctioned. She puts it on and As she's trying to leave, she gets into a scrape with a couple of the people. So she starts fighting in this suit, taking down people. And she's a pretty good fighter. She does have a few missteps, which are expected, considering she's probably never fought in real life in a situation like this. But she puts on this suit. And then after she does all this fighting and she leaves, she's walking around town still in this suit. Like, did you not hear what they said about the person who wore the suit? Were you not paying attention? And then this place has been bombed or there's been an explosion. She's out running in this suit. And then she starts telling what she follows Armand to his house in the suit. And he's dead when she gets there. Someone has killed him. She leaves out the house still in the suit. And I'm just like, will you take the, will you take the suit off? She gets cornered by the tracksuit mafia. They're calling her the Ronin because she clearly has this suit on. They're trying to fight her. They're trying to kill her. She still has the freaking suit on. See, we already know that she makes bad decisions and choices. So, And she continues to make them. them. Oh, my God. She thought, I mean, okay, she's a rich kid in her early 20s trying to be a superhero. I mean, everything that can go wrong will. I mean, she probably has decent enough training, but it's like she doesn't have enough experience in making any kind of decision. So this is to be expected. I mean, the fact that she took the suit in the first place and the fact that she was that, I mean, she held her own. You got to give her credit for that. I mean, give credit for credit too. She held her but own. But she shouldn't have had to hold her own. She should have minded her damn business and went back to the dinner and confronted her mother on the fact that she was engaged and didn't like, how is it that someone else will tell you about their about your engagement? Like, who does that? Who tells everybody else that they're engaged before they tell their own child? You should have been there fussing at your mom about that instead of telling this dude and getting it. Yeah, that was was 100% on purpose. I think it was on purpose. I think she wanted her to find out from somebody else. I think she wanted to tell her, but then she was confronted with a probably six-figure bill from the university to replace a clock tower and a bell. And she was probably like... Just like look here. Well, I don't girl. know because she, she's like, okay, we it got didn't some. seem like she better than I about having to replace the clock tower. <laughs> That's why I said six yeah, figures. She's probably looking at like I mean, if it would have been like seven, like like mid-seven figures, she'd probably been like, Look here, you little bitch. What the fuck? But she was just like, Got a bill from your school today for the clock tower. Gotta take your credit card. And that's it. Right. She's like, I'm just going to cancel your credit cards. <laughs> right. That's it. <laughs> but, like, yeah, well, I mean, what a problem to have. She wears the suit. I see what you're saying. The whole time 
she gets attacked. Plant sees the news report about the explosion at the charity ball. And then, of course, people have seen Kate running around New York in this Ronin suit. And, you know, there are some people who know who the Ronin is or what, you know, what he was and what he was doing. So they're talking about, oh, could these two things be related? And so he sees and he's like, oh, my God. Okay, I got to go take care of this. He has to leave his kids in the hotel room to go deal with Kate. And I mean, for someone who seems like she's supposed to be intelligent, like you said, she's making a lot of stupid decisions. First of all, she still has the damn suit on. Like, why are you still running around town in this thing? Look, she's smart, but most smart people don't have common sense. We know this. I know. And I think that's irritating. She didn't have a lick of common sense. She's very impulse driven. It's like she saw the suit. She put the suit on. She saw people fighting around. She started fighting. She started running away. Then she figured out that Armand was probably into something. She uses her mom's tech to trace his phone and figure out where he lives. I mean, she's very impulse driven. And it's like she can't control herself. She has no control over that. And she that's going to so be irritating. probably be a running thing throughout this thing. So you might as well just get comfortable I with hope it. not because she is so irritating. Like I wanted to reach. It's who she is, Hanako. Throttle her. Oh my God. It's but, who she is. She's impulse driven. That's who she is. It's like, just, that's not going to change until she gets, she'll become, it'll become less and less of a thing. But right now this is all new and fresh to her. So she's, she probably thinks that I need to go on my impulses. I need to go on my gut. So she's going to be impulse driven for most of the early part of this. So I guess, but yeah. So Kate Bishop, uh, I don't know. I mean, I understand. Yeah. She doesn't have common sense and she's young and blah, blah, blah. But uh, there was just so many things that she just kept doing wrong throughout both of the episodes. And I was just like, uh, it's because we're older geeks and we know that she shouldn't be doing these things, but we know she's going to do them anyway. And we're just like, really? Like, don't. We're like Willy Wonka just sitting there like, stop, quit it. Don't. It's like, because like, we know it's going to happen anyway. Whatever consequences <laughs> come to you because you are making stupid decisions. Exactly. Cue the Lupus. What do you do with a bow and arrow? I, I don't know. She just, she bothers me. And then the fact that Clint has to sit here and like he says, I have to clean up your mess. Like the tracksuit mafia, after they attack her and she's trying to get away, Clint actually finds them and he intervenes and pulls her to the side, rips the mask off, and he looks like he's about to punch the shit out of her. And then he realizes that she's just a kid. And he's like, oh my God, are you serious? Like, what are you doing? And she's like, um, I, I just, she has no good explanation. And then as he's leading her away, she's like, yeah, um, so I saw a dead guy. He was like, hold up, just one thing at a time. I think at this point, Clint is just kind of like, okay, hold up. I just need to wrap my brain around the fact that this young girl has this suit, has been running around beating up people, been at the scene of a crime. No, excuse me, at the scene of two crimes at this point and has tangled with this tracksuit mafia. He takes her to her house. We haven't even talked about the dog yet, but she found this dog earlier and the dog kind of sort of saved her life. And she brought the dog to her house. Oh, and this is the thing. She brought the dog to her house, fed the dog, and then left the apartment with the suit still on. 
to go do some other shit. This is before Clint found her. But change clothes, take the suit off, do something. But no, she still has the suit on. Clint brings her to her house. And now the tracksuit mafia has tracked them down and they know her name now and what apartment unit she lives in because her name's on the door. I was just- Yeah, but he, remember, Clint asked her, well, did you make any stops on your way out? She's like, I stopped by my house. And that's when the the tracksuit mafia, Kate Bishop, (laughs) we know you're in there. I mean- so basically they start throwing Molotov cocktails. They throw one that Clint actually catches. He throws it back out to them. A couple of them catch on fire, but they douse it pretty quick. Hey, hey, I'm sorry. That shit, right, that right shit, was, that shit was dope. No, what, what was funny is I'm going to jump ahead. The funniest line is when Jack Duquesne says, ooh, what's in a Molotov cocktail? You know. <laughs> like, bro, really? Again, like, just stop. his character irks me too. But... Anyway, they continue throwing these things into her apartment. And so the apartment actually catches on fire and they have to leave. They actually leave the suit behind because at this point, once they've gotten to her apartment, Clint is like, you need to take that suit off. And then she tells him how she got the suit because of course he's like, how did you get the suit? Like what was going on? She tells him about the black market auction and everything. So the suit gets left behind when her apartment goes up in flames and now they have to find somewhere to hide so they go to her aunt's apartment it's just there are so many things about her character that are so chaotic and it's almost like trying to watch her maneuver through these two episodes i was exhausted by the end because (laughs) i'm sitting there looking like i can't believe she's doing all these stupid decisions and then of course like i said my younger daughter was here watching it with me and she just fussed about kate the whole <laughs> two episodes because she was like who who's this stupid at 22 my daughter's 23 she's like why is she making all these stupid decisions and doesn't she think and blah, blah. and i was like no apparently when you have money and you're rich and you've got all these skills you common sense just goes out of the window because oh my god this character was so bothersome throughout the whole two episodes i just oh Like, tell me it's going to get better. Tell me that her character is going to be one that I'm absolutely going to love by the end of this because right now, I don't see it. You're going to love her. You don't find her adorable right now. (laughs) Apparently, you never will. Oh, okay. So so at this point, I'm just, you know, I want to see if this is supposed to be Clint's, you know, the end of Clint's story in the mcu i just want to see how they're going to bring that about but at this point i'm like you know what just just bring my child bring bring me a yelena because that's the only thing right now i'm excited to see (laughs) kate bishop is just oh she is so bothersome to me do the next episode i think i hope so because i'm like why did you go to armand's house what was the whole point of you going there like i understand he threatened your mom but your mom is the head of a security company. I'm sure she gets threats all the time. She doesn't need her young, inexperienced, not a superhero daughter to come in and fight her battles. And again, like I said, mom don't seem like she too on the up and up either. So I, I don't know. Like I said, her character just bothers me. Bothers me. And she. Still, I'm I'm watching it in the background. Still walking around with the Rona suit on. I just, <laughs> I just, I I don't understand. And then, oh, okay. So what happens in the second episode? 
he takes her to her aunt's house he cleans her up because she you know she's been beat up she's got cut here and you know he's trying to make sure she doesn't get infected he's being very fatherly towards her because he's trying to now clean up the mess that she has made while wearing this ronin suit so he actually gets her phone number gives her his and then gives her a caveat like only using in case of emergencies or else i'm gonna block you do you, you already know from this character like the time that he has spent with her up until that point i don't even know why you told her that because that just made it obvious she's gonna call you whenever she feels like it and not when it's an emergency and we see her do that in this episode but anyway yep. so like we said earlier he talked to linda about the issues he was having with the tracksuit mafia and he's like okay i'm gonna take care of them and try to fix this mess so basically he allows himself to get captured by the tracksuit mafia and the scene where they're questioning him or they're trying to question him it was funny because it mirrors natasha's scene um mm-hmm. i forgot which movie that was was it was it one of the, the first avengers was it the first first avengers So it mirrors the scene where she's being questioned, tied to a chair. And then, of course, she breaks free. She kicks people's butts and she goes on about her business. Well, that doesn't necessarily happen in Clint's case. Like he's sitting there. He's stalling for time. He's going back and forth with Kazi about who Kate Bishop is and if Kate Bishop is a girl. It's, It's like a stupid little conversation. But, you know, they're basically like, yeah, we have you now. You're our prisoner, so you can do what, what we tell you to do. And, of course, he's already broken free from his bonds. He was like, well, actually, and just when it's about to get good, here comes this little bothersome chick crashing through the ceiling and landing on the floor in a heap because she thinks she's saving him. And I was just like, oh, my God why are you even here and of course now they're both tied up and that episode ended with us meeting echo for the first time but i was just like she just she bothers me i don't even I mean, know her, her heart's in the right place it's like like she's your heart can be Clint. in the right place sitting at your house staying out of danger not attracting she was just trying to help she said she was just trying he was in danger he was in trouble did he ask her for help he's an avenger you think clint don't know how to get help if he needs it that he needs an inexperienced 22 year old to come to his rescue no i mean well that that was scarlet witch and quicksilver were you know inexperienced as well yeah we see what happened to quicksilver (laughs) so uh yeah bad example don't don't bring that up because i mean how does the speedster get shot with regular bullets that just, you know what no. that's a whole other conversation that's he, he he was focused on he was focused on saving the little boy but we we won't even have that conversation right now no. but okay but just, okay see but the thing about kate is that i mean i i can i'll give you the fact that she's space she's a space case and that i mean I mean, it's like, you know, the way to the hospital is paved with good intentions. I mean, she just <laughs> wants to be, <laughs> she, she literally just wants to help. And it's like, Clint's been her hero since she saw him during the Chitari attack. And it's like, she, all she wants to do is be him. She's like, she got the bow and arrow. She became very proficient with it. I mean, for a person, she's really proficient with that bow and arrow. And she has pretty good. And I understand and, it. But it's you, you just you just you're just gonna have to let it you're gonna have to suspend that. You're just gonna have to let that go because she's gonna be like that. Yeah, and 
and all those things you feel about her that's how a lot of people feel about peter parker when he was first you know starting out it's the same thing you just you just want to help but okay mm-mm, but mm-mm, but uh-uh. mm-mm, because mm-mm, i will say no, that mm-mm. when peter parker was first introduced in the avengers it was during a major fight scene and he held his own he actually was there and he was helping he was doing what tony stark brought him in to do he was helping to detain people i mean he whooped falcon and winter soldier pretty damn good he was doing what he was supposed to do he was not creating extra chaos the only problem with peter parker is that he gets flustered and he talks too much which is the same thing with kate bishop because she's sitting here asking all these questions and saying all this stuff but again peter parker spider-man under rules he was doing what he was supposed to do he was doing what he was supposed to do she's sitting here telling him about how his issue is he needs better marketing he needs better branding what she's not wrong he doesn't want it and he made that very clear i mean think about it this is a man who is in new york with his three children who nobody was supposed to even know exists because they were under the radar i i was i was I, I see your point, but I was comparing her to Peter Parker in Homecoming, where Tony told him to just be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, but no, he had to go off and investigate stuff and get in the way and create a whole new situation. He almost sunk a whole ferry. He need he need he needed Tony's help to put that ferry back together. Okay. Because that ferry was going and to Tony told him to stay out. Point of it. Well he, did. he told him to stay out of it. Point well but did he listen? No, he went no. in and tried, and tried to save people. Thought but he could help. But he thought he could. But help. I will say this too: Peter Parker is a high school student. She's supposed to be a quote unquote adult. He's okay. he's expected to make some okay. stupid decisions. Okay, okay. And but she's also it, and, she's also uh-uh, very uh-uh. mature twenty three year old who destroyed a bell tower on the bed. You're right. You're right. But the other thing too. Peter Parker got his powers with no training, no, no whatever. She at least has some kind of training. She has no powers. She doesn't have powers, but she has training. She has skills, but she, oh, I don't know. Her character just, she just irritates me. She just irritates me. Like, like Aunt said, I mean, you're just going to have to grin and bear it because I mean, it's kind of <laughs> it is what it is it's, it's like that the care her character is her character and i mean she might get it's like further down the line when we get into young avengers because this is exactly where all this is headed she maybe she gets a little bit more mature or maybe towards the end of this series like in the fifth or sixth episode she gets more mature but for now it's gonna have to go along go with the flow it's gonna be okay mm-hmm. It will. It'll be okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. Oh, I'm gonna take y'all's word for it. But right now, I'm not convinced. <laughs> she, just, she aggravates me so much. Oh goodness. I get it. It's just- you know, it reminds me of. I know we're going off subject, but it reminds me of Iron Fist. Danny Rand on his show, he was utterly, totally annoying and problematic. And like, why are you making all these decisions? Why are you doing all the scenes? But then in Defenders, it's a little different. He's not so bad. So maybe 
when she joins the Young Avengers, all that stuff is not going to be the same. Right. So maybe she'll be a little, she might be the one who is the mature. Maybe Clint's influence will help her be a little bit different. Okay. I think she's I think she's counted as one of the leaders of the Young Avengers. So it kind of goes along that she's gonna get a little more mature. So 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 this is like her or we're also getting her yes, this is her origin story. Exactly. I guess, I guess. And so she has to learn. We gotta break a few eggs to make an omelet. Or know? break a few bones, you know, I'm get just a few saying, scars. If she, makes, if she makes Clint miss Christmas with his kids, I'm not gonna like her character. Oh yeah, you you know that's gonna happen. Right? I don't know. And you know <laughs> I mean, what? he already missed the see... Graham Cracker houses. I mean, he's he's probably gonna miss the movie marathon or get there like towards the end of it. It's uh... like you know this is gonna happen. You say it's six yeah. episodes, right? It's six episodes. So that means five days. Episode, Each episode is yes. a day. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that they that they were gonna do. Oh, we would be remiss if we didn't the shout out that this series gives to LARPing and how that was just freaking awesome. <laughs> That in itself shows how nerd culture is permeating regular culture and this reach is reaching out further and further and further. That was a funny thing. So so one of the first times I went to Dragon Con, I had walked through, I can't remember which hotel it was, but I saw this big sign and there was like this curtain wall and the sign said L-A-R-P, LARP. And people were talking and I what is LARP? What, what is this? LARP? And it took me like two or three days before someone was like, this live action role playing. <laughs> Wait, that's a thing? People actually do this? And they're like, yeah, they're serious about it. Mm-hmm. But that was my first experience, so I had no idea what it was. And that's why I was laughing when I saw it on the screen, because Clint's reaction was my reaction. It's like, are you kidding well. me? Like, are you kidding me? I love how he, was, he was just casually walking through with a sort of like, eh, ching, 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 ching. then he whips around there. I was like, oh, that was that awesome. scene was funny. It was great. I love that scene because he's walking through like, man, I just want to get this suit. So what happens is the firefighters they go to Kate Bishop's apartment, they put out the fire, and Clint sneaks into the apartment with firefighter gear which i'm like you guys aren't paying any attention he literally just walked up to the fire truck put his stuff inside grabbed some equipment or grabbed the uniform walks inside sees that the costume is gone comes back out puts the coat back on the truck grabs his stuff and walks off and nobody stops to question him nobody looks at him you know actually yeah clint was larping as a fireman so, I mean, then, then he saw the sticker on the fire truck and he was like, the hell? Mm, was like, right. Oh. And see, that shows that he actually knew what LARPing was because he put the sticker and the missing suit two and two together and figured out that, okay, someone who's doing LARPing probably saw that and was like, oh, that's really cool. No one's going to notice if I take it. So he took the suit and he was like, okay, that's probably where it is. So this goes to show that Clint Barton is an experienced LARPer. He has LARPed before. <laughs> No he's, no, not. He's not. no, he's not. No, he's not. Two things. Two things. No, he's not. Two things. Yes, he is. No, he's not. <laughs> LARPing is <laughs> the furthest thing from anything that he would ever want to do. Maybe or it's be kids doing it. Okay, there. No, okay. No, no. All right. Two things. First, what firefighters steal shit from? Obviously, New York firefighters is number one. <laughs> you know I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> 
I'm not going to disparage any firefighters on this show. Okay, yeah. Opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily affect Hanukkah Ricks, Anthony Liggins, or anyone else associated with Fandom Hyper Podcast. Please forward all your complaints to me. And I'm not giving you my email address. So there. I'm sorry. I lost my signal. But the first point stands. Who does that? Who goes into someone's house and says, oh, that's a cool suit, and take it. Really? You know what? I will answer this. Okay, so Anthony, um, the fact that the apartment burned down and that suit did not have any damage to it, he was probably looking like, oh, wait, it's fireproof too? Maybe your second point was to this. After stealing said suit from said scene of crime, or, you know, possible scene of crime, who goes onto Instagram and posts it? Was that Instagram or a TikTok? It was, it was Instagram. Instagram. Okay. That was funny. Yeah, I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> you post yeah. something that you found? Come on. Oh, my second point. Actually, people pretending to be firefighters like that is, is a common thing. And it, it amazes me that firefighters, some, they just miss it. Like, they don't realize that one of the guys is not one of their guys. But it happens more often than you think. I just I don't understand that That's because I, 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 just the, the fact that I could no I don't, I don't see they're not paying they're not really paying attention because for them everyone is doing their job that they were assigned so mm. if someone is helping you hold the hose you're not thinking that that's not Jonathan who's supposed to be banging in the back door to see if there's any survivors you just know that there's a guy helping you hold the water hose. So they're not really paying attention. But my thing is, most people on a fire truck or in a fire unit, they, know each other. they all come from the same firehouse and they know each other. So I would think it would be very obvious if someone is walking around in some of your gear, but it's a face you don't recognize. It, because of Like the, this person of didn't drive masks, in on the truck with you. Because of wearing a mask and the helmets, they, they aren't paying attention that someone isn't supposed to be there. I'm just saying, it's it's something that happens more often than. than I'm I'm about to pull one of your lines, Anthony. That's a writer's mistake. (laughs) I mean, it could be. It it happens more often. I mean, most most people do get caught, but it does happen. It's it's more frequent than people pretending to be cops. So Mm. this is one of those things because people want to be heroes, and you know, what what kid doesn't grow up wanting to be a firefighter? It's the ones that get away with getting on the truck. Those are the ones you got to watch out for. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's the other question I have. So if Kate is leading Clint to her aunt's apartment, you know, where this is supposed to be where her aunt stays and she's she's going to kind of lay low. Why do you have to look up which buzzer goes to your aunt's apartment if you already know that that's your aunt's apartment? Like she's sitting there looking for her aunt's name and with which apartment number it is and then hits the buzzer for it like wouldn't you already know no i don't think she, i don't think she like hit her aunt's her aunt's buzzer she hit someone else's buzzer so that she could get in she like faked that she had a pizza for somebody because her aunt um, wasn't there no and i understand that but the way that she was looking it up is almost like it because she she's using her fingers and she's going up and she stops on her aunt's name Maybe she didn't know what apartment, apartment number it was. 
I think uh, to steal my own line, that's a writer's problem. Okay, because I was going to say, wouldn't she? Because she made it seem like that wasn't her first time there. Like, she, she's like, this is my aunt's apartment, but she's gone south for the summer. Like, her aunt's a bird or some shit. But she, like, she didn't seem like she was a stranger in that place. So why would you need to look up? But, you know, like you said, Anthony is probably a writer's thing, you know they messed that up but okay it, it's a small gripe but still I was like mm, it, it's just kind of weird almost like mm, you didn't know where you were going but you, I, don't, I don't know anyway oh my goodness I mean the episodes were fun like I said I, I love you know Clint's one of my favorite I love his dynamics with his kids I like the fact that the oldest and the daughter they're always back and forth about you know they're bickering with each other and Nate is just being a regular little kid you know don't I, lose I just... Nate wait hmm? where's Nate right where's <laughs> Nate? right and I love the fact that Nate signed to him when he was getting ready to leave he was like I love you dad but he did it in sign language I was like oh that's so cute but yeah so you know like I said I, I I like that I like you know them showing him and his wife you know their conversation how she's supporting him and you know they can have this open dialogue I like Lucky the dog even though we he he's not named Lucky yet he's pizza dog but I just Kate just kind of I, I don't know she she bothers me she does it's gonna be okay been, oh yeah and and then this back and forth that she has with jack like when she goes to work the next day and she's in the weird suit and they're having a conversation they go back and forth and jack's whole his whole dialogue about you know (laughs) anthony is laughing but you know his whole dialogue about oh you know she's she's defying my authority but at the same time she wants acceptance from me and all this other stuff he's like i've been reading a book on step parenting i'm like dude (laughs) she's 22 she does not need a step parent at this point just but they're back and forth and then i don't know again like we talked about earlier his character just bothered me at the beginning because i just felt like he was I, i didn't know if it was bad acting or if it was just the character in general i know it's the character in general but the acting was kind of bothering me too but i mean we see that his character is supposed to be kind of over the top at first and then you you kind of see him get a little more serious like hmm okay let me show you who my true character is i totally believe he killed his uncle he probably didn't but i totally believe he did the whole fencing thing was funny as shit it's like they there's like how do you just i mean and like her mother was just sitting on the side down it's like Oh, don't hurt each other. Oh my God. Just hurry up and finish. Oh yeah. Be careful, honey. And she <laughs> says, I'll be all right. And she says, I was talking to him and I said it at the same time. I said, she ain't talking to you. She's talking to a man. She don't want you to hurt him. <laughs> and it's like, she's just like, fight me. I know you can fight better than this. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. This. Like, I don't know what you mean. And then she lunged for him and she, he disarmed her and, and the rapier with, it was spinning. I was like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's kind of proficient. So. Yep. Yeah, and she's good enough to know that. She's good enough to know this. Right, is, because she was like, why are you lying? Why are you holding back? And he was like, I'm not. And, you know, like you said, she she has been the best. She, she's she been, uh, what what did she say? She was a state champion for two years straight or twi- that she run it she twice? She was two years state champion. Yeah, so she knows when somebody's holding back or not fighting the way they're supposed to, I guess, you know, so... I mean, 
she has her she has her good points it's just that right now she's more annoying than anything else and I'm hoping that will change but her doing irritating stuff and and childish stuff like him getting her phone number says don't only call me in emergencies if you call me for anything else I'm gonna block your number and then she immediately do you miss me blah 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 that's her hero. I mean, that's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of like a big brother, little sister thing to her. I mean, it's like they have not gotten to that point yet. He has made it very clear that he does not he want has. to be bothered. We're talking about her. We're not talking about Clint. wait, wait. Okay, before we go there, I just want to say real quick because I want to say something about the fencing. Mm-hmm. First of all, she knew he was better because she knew that not only could he fence but you've got she was like you've got some spare equipment upstairs don't you he's like oh well yeah i do (laughs) she's like go get it so anyone who's as old as he who actually has fencing equipment is probably pretty fucking right right because you don't just keep that stuff around just for shits and giggles right so but back to the the phone thing yeah that that was stupid then she called back yeah yeah, it's like he specifically told you don't call me unless it's an emergency i don't want to be bothered with any of this and to say well that's her hero no we are not going to justify her behavior because if it was flipped the other way around if it was a guy calling a female incessantly like that after she has told him specifically don't call me we'd be calling it something else so no we're not going to excuse her for that she's being disrespectful she's being irritating and she's being childish point blank so yeah no sure okay i'm just saying i drop that's fine i'm just saying there's just i'm not saying but i'm just saying there's just her her character irritates me but we've already established that what in the world is going on with her mother that's the question i have because apparently from the beginning of the series when we see her parents arguing they're pretty much broke at this point they're about to have to give up their penthouse so she says and then now we see she's obviously in a position of power her company is thriving i mean she's at charity dinners where her fiance is betting hundreds of thousands of dollars on stuff and you know she doesn't balk at having to write a huge check to replace a clock tower that's been on the grounds for however long so we know she's not hurting for money so aside from the theory (laughs) anthony that she killed her husband like, it's not a theory. What is her? Well, we don't know it for a fact. So at this point, it is a theory. It's okay. You can say it. It's, it's a supposition. A theory. You can say it, Anthony. It's okay. It's, a it's okay. <laughs> so, but so, what's the deal with her mother? Like, okay, is she is she? You, you said it. She's she's a. She sounds like she seems like she's a devious lady who took her her dead husband or murdered her the husband that she murdered. She took his insurance money, kept the penthouse, and started a security business. That's what it seems like. Yeah, I think that's a different pent. I don't think that's the same place, but it looked like okay. that. Seems- so, was, so, so, but- okay. Eleanor Bishop, of course, in the comics, she has a way different background. Mm-hmm. In the comics, she's married. She's married. She has two kids, and she is thought to have been killed in in an accident in Boulder, Colorado. But in reality, she turns out to be a crime boss 
and she is directing the behind the scenes a group that includes a woman named Madame Mask, who is a vampire, who is, turns out to be Kate's main nemesis. Wait, we have vampires in the Marvel. <laughs> are they going to bring that in? Oh, are they going to bring that in? Probably not. I mean, probably not. Blade. But 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 I mean, well, I mean, it, all things lead to her being like someone who is like very high up, and I'm calling it now. I have another theory. Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay, I before you say that theory, going... yes, Anthony, you're right. Blade is a vampire, but technically speaking, he's not part of the MCU yet, which is why I brought that question up. But yes, you're right. He is a vampire. I wasn't thinking about that part. So anyway, Mike, go on with your... Well, well half, I'm sorry, half. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay. Mike. I'm thinking. I'm thinking that Eleanor Bishop is going to be aligned with my main man, Kingpin. Kingpin is confirmed again. I am putting Kingpin in this. I don't care if how wrong I am. I am going. I am going all the way back to being wrong about seventy per seventy to eighty percent of everything in one division. I do not care. I am going. That's the spirit, Mike. I am going forward with the fact that that she is going to be either aligned or going up against Kingpin in this series, and it's going to continue in Echo somehow. And I am I am sticking with Kingpin being confirmed in this, and that's my theory, and I am sticking to it. So, so basically, all of your theories are built on the premise of Kevin Bacon's Six Degrees of Separation, <laughs> right? Yes, I got, I'll, I'll go along with that too. Sure. Okay. Okay. This one. Sounds this good. one. Some clarification. That's fine. Okay. Sounds good. So yeah. Okay. So Eleanor Bishop, crooked. Jack Duquesne, cricket. He's crooked. Kate He's crooked, Bishop. but he gets straight too. He becomes an Avenger on down the line. No, that that's in the kind of. That's in the comics. I'm saying there's, but I'm saying there's precedent for it. I mean, he could be, you know, in line with Eleanor and doing doing bad things for her. But maybe he has a change of heart and something happens in the midst of all this, and he he turns over to the side of good. I was gonna say, I wonder if they're gonna try to use like, I guess, kind of like a character redirect. Like we meet Jack and we think he's this shady person blah 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 but then he turns out to be not quite the bad guy so maybe maybe i need to rethink my assumption that he killed his uncle i mean think about it armand was threatening eleanor so maybe she found some way to kill him i don't know if i would think that she did it herself i'm almost certain she did it herself you think so yeah everything is a redirect but i don't think that means jacques duquesne isn't still going to be an asshole well yeah we never said he wasn't going to be an asshole i just said maybe he's not evil like Uh, a bad guy yeah that i like i thought i did but i don't know if i see eleanor going over there and committing murder in her evening gown that just i don't know i never would have thought she'd kill her husband either while her daughter is upstairs well yeah (laughs) i hope we do get some more background on that like I want to know if that's the case. And if so, what does that mean for Kate? Like, what is Kate going to do to her mother if that's true and she gets found out? But but it'll it'll be interesting to see how they do it because I'm I'm 100% convinced just from being a writer and noticing writing in a lot of these series that Eleanor is probably the main big bad or she's at least in line with the main big bad and that Jack Duquesne slash Swordsman is just a pawn in the game. I'm calling my shot. Left field. Okay. I mean, left field. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
Okay. <laughs> I'll go with that. We'll see. Um, did we miss anything or is there anything else we need to talk about? All right, real quick. A few more things about Echo because I think that she's going to be an integral part in this phase in the Marvel in the MCU. Um, she has ties to a few things. Um, she has ties to Daredevil, Secret Invasion, Moon Knight, Luke Cage, and the New Avengers. So, so basically everything that's coming out in the next few right. Days. So they could basically, I mean, maybe depending on how people respond to her. I mean, she's a very flexible character in that she has history with a lot of other people. So they could be seeing like where they could like put her like in here or there. The fact that they've already given her her own series before mm-hmm. they ever introduced her character sort of signals to you that she's going to be important in the MCU. Yeah, it, but it's, it's going to show and be interesting to see how many places they try to fit her in. Um, also, shout out to the Hunger Games existing in the MCU is canon <laughs> because they showed Katniss Everdeen. So the Hunger Games actually exist in the MCU. Um, oh, shout out to Amon the Third having funny. his own butterscotches, like his own Werther's Originals. Monogram Werther's Originals. I'm like, how and where can I do that? Because I will definitely have some MC Werther's Originals like in a in a I can dish. actually tell you a couple of companies that will do that kind of branding for you on stuff. We use that for work all the time. So, I am yeah. I am 100% involved in that. I'm, I'm absolutely with that. Um, but you know, it was weird that Kate looked at Jack offering her the candy and she panicked because, you know, it's the same candy that she had just saw in Armand's house. I mean, that is his uncle. He probably he could have picked there. up. I mean... Right. He could have picked that up on any number of visits and just kept them in his pocket or kept one in his pocket. Because, right. you know, if I have like little candies like that, I don't always eat them at the same I time. Mean, Sometimes how, I'll leave How many them times have you put on like a pair of pants or some shorts and be like, ooh, look what I found? right exactly Exactly. so smarties but but i will say this too he was in formal wear how often do you wear formal wear when you go visit someone so that does seem a little suspicious you know because they've been when does he not wear formal wear i'm saying (laughs) it's jacques duquesne yeah but i don't think he wears a tux every day like i don't think that's a regular thing like some nice i don't know he he seems he seems like the pretentious type to wear that just to show that he has one he's like look i have a diamond tux tux. i am fancy look at me no maybe a nice custom tailor-made suit but no i mean and it was the same night so who knows who knows i mean who knows maybe jack and eleanor killed him together (laughs) i mean possible stranger things have happened i mean you know you who knows what people will do in the in the quest for booty i mean you know shit happens oh well two episodes in i like it and like you said we're a third of the way through it's only a six episode series which i guess i'll wait to see how this series ends but we've said it before with the other series like can we get more than six episodes it's basically an, an extended Christmas special. Just look at it like that. It's not really a series. It's basically a Christmas special. I guess. But th- I would like to get a show that has more than six episodes. Because if you think about it, does that mean that Secret Invasion is only going to be six episodes? Is Echo only going to be six episodes? I mean, you know, just is that all we're doing? Like getting these six episode arcs? Like they're telling us a story in tiny bits and pieces in between the big movies. Is that what they're doing? Yeah. I yeah. want more yeah. basically. I think that's that's what they're doing. Remember I say it's like it's like the the little 
comic book specials that used to come out before movies came out. Yeah. It's just like those little limited series that give you background and filler information. Not necessarily telling you what the movie is going to be about. So, which is kind of what I always thought the Netflix series would, would, would be. They would be, you know, filler for the, for the movies, you know, mm-hmm. background information, but it never worked out that way. Well, maybe they'll change it now that it seems like they're pulling some of those characters into the MCU properties. So I guess we'll see how that works. I can't Um, wait. Oh my God. Yep. So hopefully Anthony, the next episode will pull you in a little bit more, make you a little more excited for this series. Like I said, I'm enjoying it so far. uh, Kate Bishop aside, but there are some parts of her character that don't bother me as much, but I, I need to see if things get better. Well, the promos, so the promos show that it's going to be a lot more action. So we'll see. Yeah. yeah. And they're actually going to, they're sitting down across from her mother, like telling her everything. And I'm like, that was quick. He's literally, literally telling her that she's being a superhero and that she's doing superhero things with an Avenger. And it's like, I thought about, I was like, that seems like they're doing that really quickly. But I guess since they only have six episodes, they kind of have to get to stuff and like, you know, get to it. Yeah. So that's, I guess that's one good thing about it being fewer episodes because we'll get more exposition quickly as opposed to it being dragged out. So I guess we'll see. Um, any final thoughts on Hawkeye? Ready for the next episode. Let's do this. I'm, I'm like you. I'm ready for Yelena. Add some spice to the mix. So Yes, I'm ready for her. I'm so ready. So hopefully we'll get her in the next episode, but... Um, I guess for now, that's it for our show. You can find us online at www.phantomhybrid.com. We are on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Phantom Hybrid. You can listen to the Phantom Hybrid podcast on all major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you join the conversation next time.